services. So come and try to bring your friend with you. Most importantly, you be here, and it's going to be a good time. Of course, meals are prepared for you before you get here. And so come, eat, fellowship, and we'll come in here and just have some great, great services. I hope you know that I love you, Pastor, and his wife and his family. And uh, you know someone has made a profound impact on your life when you cannot tell your testimony without mentioning their name. And so he's done that for me, and I love him, and I appreciate him. I love what God has done in the church, and it's not just been a joy to watch from afar all that God has done, but every once in a while I get to fly out and drive over and get to be a part of it. And so we just want you to know that we love you, and it's always a joy to come back and see uh, new faces, but also uh, the old faces as well. And so the Lord bless your brother Bill. And appreciate him. And you don't have to follow the Facebook page. Just follow Brother Bill. Amen. He will keep you updated on, on what's going on in this church. And so I know every week on Sunday afternoon I'm going to get an update. And so I wish every church in America had a Brother Bill. Amen. And so Lord bless you for that. And so again, hope that you make plans to be back with us in just an exciting couple of days. And it's a privilege to be here. And uh, we love you. We love the church. Enjoy the music tonight. Enjoy the Combs family. And I love the new music. I love the old music. I love it all. Amen. And so it's just a great blend here at River City. And my prayer is twofold this week. Number one, for you, I want Jesus to speak to you like you're the only person in the room this week. I want it to be that real, that personal, that intimate. And then number two, I want you to do whatever God tells you to do this week. Uh, don't just come be a hearer of the word. Uh, come ready to say, God, whatever you tell me, I'm going to obey. If you tell me something to get it out of my life, I'm going to get it out of my life. If you tell me to start something, uh, I'm going to start it. If you tell me to get back to doing something, I'm going to get back to doing it. Whatever God tells you to do this week, let's just decide right now, that's what I'm going to do. And so thank you so much for allowing us to come. Glad to have my beautiful wife, Jessica, with me. And we do market home in Arkansas. We've been there for seven years. We've been in evangelism for seven years. And we came down this week from Virginia and Pennsylvania. And so if you're looking for someone to be mad at for bringing the cold weather, it's me, okay? And so uh, you can blame me uh, for that. Let's jump in tonight. Uh, I don't want to preach long. I just want to get right down to the point, and then we'll go out and have some snow cones. Amen? And to get frostbite out there. James chapter 3 will be our text tonight. If I had to put a subtitle in the book of James, I would say it this way. Exhibiting spiritual maturity during turbulent times. Exhibiting spiritual maturity uh, during turbulent times. And how many would agree our world's in some turbulent times right now? And if there is ever a time when God's people ought to exhibit a spiritual maturity, it's in these days. You say, what's spiritual maturity? It's being like Jesus, amen. It's acting like Jesus and living like Jesus and treating other people like Jesus. And that's what the book of James is all about. And James is writing to some folks. In fact, these were Jewish people that had come to Jesus and gotten saved. And now that they had been converted and born again, uh, they were suffering and facing persecution. And so they were going through a a hard time and a discouraging time, and so James writes to him, and it's really not a letter, it's more of a lecture. When Paul would write to churches and individuals, he wrote letters. He'd always start off with grace and peace and how's your mom and them, uh, but James does not do that. Uh, there is no flowery greeting. Uh, there is not a lot of warmth in this letter. It's more of a lecture uh, in nature, and he goes through and really section by section uh, really zeroes in on specific areas of our life that we need to be spiritual. But when he gets down to chapter number 3, he zeroes in on a very, very important aspect of our lives that we all need to exhibit a spiritual maturity in. Last year I went to the dentist 
My wife made me, and so I went, and it was just a routine uh, cleaning and checkup. And so the lady came in and cleaned my teeth and looked things over. Then the dentist came in, and he said, uh, do you have any questions or concerns? I said, well, actually, I do. I said, there's an area on my tongue I'm kind of concerned about, and I was. And uh, that's a concern for anybody. Uh, but especially when you speak for a living, there was an extra measure of concern there. And so I Googled it. Listen, if you think you have something wrong with you, do not Google it. Amen. And so if you Google it, you might as well start planning your funeral. So I, I had made that mistake. And so I was concerned about this. And so he looked and he said, well, would you like to do a cancer screen? And I said, well, since we're here, we might as well. And I played it cool on the outside. The inside, I was thinking, yes, do everything you can. And so they went off and got the cancer gun, came back and scanned my tongue. And he looked it over and he said, man, I don't see anything abnormal. I don't see anything irregular. Uh, your tongue looks good to me. So you can imagine the sense of relief that I felt on that day when he gave me the good news about my tongue. Uh, but tonight, James is going to spiritually examine your tongue. And I come to let you know up front, the news is not good. Tonight I want to preach on this subject, your tongue needs Jesus. Your tongue needs Jesus. Father, would you take your word tonight and Lord, would you help us? And Lord, this morning we know that your word has the power to save. And we saw that take place right before our eyes this morning in this room. But Lord, we also believe that your word has the power to revive. And so, Lord, I pray that you would take your word and, Lord, convict us and challenge us. And, Lord, we didn't just come to be challenged. Lord, we come to be changed tonight. And so as we encounter the truth of your word, Lord, I pray that uh, you would uh, drive it deep tonight, Lord. I pray that uh, you would give us exactly what we need. And, Lord, you would use it to revive our hearts and lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get a walk through the first couple of verses of chapter 3 and get a running start, then jump into the quick outline tonight. Notice verse number 1, the Bible says, my brethren, again, he's writing to save people, folks that have come to Jesus, and now we're going through a hard time because of it. And he says, my brethren, be not many masters. That word masters means teachers. And apparently there were some, maybe some young, overly zealous believers in the spiritual community uh, that maybe were aspiring to be preachers and teachers. And uh, you can understand in that day, uh, I would with that role and position and that culture, there was a lot of prestige and notoriety that went along with it. And so he was not discouraging them from being uh, preachers and teachers. He was discouraging the wrong motive. It's a privilege to be a preacher and a teacher, but with the privilege comes a great responsibility and one day an even greater accountability. And he says, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing we shall receive the greater condemnation. Well, preachers and teachers use their tongues and speech and words, and so that opens up the door of the context for the rest of the chapter. In verse number two, he goes on to say, for in many things we offend all. That is a synonymous phrase with Romans 323 for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God in other words we all fall we all fail we all stumble we all blow it can I get a witness right there we all sin that's what he's saying we sin in many different ways 
But then he goes on to say in verse number 2, If any man offend not in word, if any man does not sin with his tongue, the same is a perfect man. The word perfect there would mean a whole. It means complete. You and I would have the idea of this. It means to be spiritually mature. So in other words, one of the marks of a spiritually mature believer is the ability to control their tongues. In other words, spiritually mature people control their tongues. Spiritually immature people do not control their tongues. So let me ask you a question tonight. Which one of those two categories do you fall into? Can I be transparent tonight? Far too often I find myself falling into a category I don't want to be in. One of the marks of a spiritually mature believer is the ability to control their tongues. Well, so often, maybe not a church like this, but oftentimes at a church, someone walks through the back door, and as if it's our job, we begin to size them up. And we look back and get a little checklist in our minds and think, well, if they do this and this and this, they must be spiritual. And if they don't do this and don't do that, then they must not be spiritual. But James says, put your little checklist away. You want to know who's spiritual in the church and who's not spiritual? in the church, then just listen to their conversation, because your words will always tell on you. Your pastor, my, uh, my dear friend, Dr. Tom Farrell, a mentor to both of us, uh, he would say it this way. He says, every time you open your mouth, your heart is on parade. One of the marks of a spiritually mature believer is the ability to control their tongues. Notice he goes on to say here in the last phrase of verse 2, and able also to bridle the whole body. In other words, if you can keep your mouth in check, you can keep the rest of your body in check, because the mouth is one of the hardest parts of your body to control. That's why your tongue and my tongue desperately needs Jesus. And from this point on, the rest of the text, James reveals to us three reasons tonight why our tongues need Jesus. Number one tonight, notice this. Your tongue needs Jesus tonight because, first of all, your tongue is, is powerful. Your tongue is powerful. Now, verse number five, James is going to drive home a big point about the tongue. But before he does that, he's going to set it up with two uh, illustrations. Now, that's kind of backwards today in preaching and teaching. Normally, we make the point and then give the illustration, but James does it backwards. And the two illustrations that he uses in verses three and four, I deal with two objects that possess power that is greatly disproportionate to their size. In other words, these are two objects that are very small, yet very powerful. Notice the first one in verse number three. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Isn't that amazing? You can take a two-inch piece of metal, uh, put it in a horse's mouth, strap some reins to it, and put a 75-pound kid on the back of that animal. And if that kid knows what he or she is doing, uh, that child uh, can control that 1,500-pound animal because of the two-inch piece of metal in that horse's mouth. That bit is small, but it is powerful. Verse number four, he goes to the second one. He goes from land to sea. He goes from the equine world to the nautical world. He says in verse four, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm or rudder, whithersoever the governor or the captain listeth or desires. Here's the ship in the middle of a, of a, a storm-tossed sea. Uh, the waves are crashing. Uh, the waves are crashing. Uh, the wind is blowing. Yet because of the little rudder attached to the 
back of that ship, the, the, the captain can navigate that ship wherever he wants it to go. Now, verse number five, he's going to drive home the point. He set up the point, now he's going to drive home the point, and he says in verse number five, even so the tongue is a little member. In other words, just as the bit is small yet powerful, and just as the rudder is small and yet powerful, even so your tongue is small part of your body, yet it is very, very powerful. In other words, do not underestimate the profound impact your tongue can have on somebody else's life. Daddy took his little girl out to pancakes one morning, and they were going to have breakfast together, and they ordered, and finally pancakes got to the table. And before they began to eat, the daddy looked across the table, and he said, Honey, I want you to know the reason I brought you to breakfast this morning is because me and your mama's real proud of you. You've been listening real well, and you obey real good, and you've had a good spirit and attitude, and, and we just want you to know God loves you, and we love you, and you're gonna, uh, God's going to do great things in your life. And, and he finished, and he went to grab the fork to take that first bite of food, and all of a sudden, that, uh, a little hand reached across the table, and a little voice followed that hand, and it said, Longer, Daddy longer. Well, put a fork back down and said, well, honey, I mean, your mama's proud of you, and we love you, and we know God's going to do great things in your life and through you, and we just, we just love you. We went to take another bite, and all of a sudden, that little hand came back across the table again. And multiple times that morning, that voice said, longer, daddy, longer, longer, daddy, longer. See, that little girl, that, that daddy did not get much to eat that morning, but that little girl sure got what she needed. Amen. And can I say, when it comes to the way that we use our tongue, we ought to use it for good. Can I go to witness right there? The Bible says that life and death, a life and death are in the power of the tongue. The Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Our words can do beautiful things in other people's lives. And we ought to use our tongue to speak encouragement and hope and uh, be gracious, come on now, in other people's lives. And certainly there is a precedence in the Old Testament and the New Testament for using our tongues for good in other people's lives. But I do not believe that is the spirit nor the context of James chapter 3. He's not talking about a, a, a good, healthy way of using our tongue. He's talking about a bad, hurtful way. A harmful way of using our tongue. You say, why do you believe that? Notice the last uh, phrase, uh, the third illustration in verse number 5. He says, lastly, behold how great a matter. That word matter means forest fire there in the Greek. A little fire kindleth. Well, listen to me. There's nothing good about a forest fire. That speaks of destruction. That speaks of devastation. And he's driving home the point that that little four-inch, two-ounce piece of flesh inside of your head can have a major impact on other people's lives. I'll never forget, I was sitting in the eighth grade, and my Sunday school teacher, Glenn Richardson, he probably didn't know a lot about the Bible, but he loved Jesus and he loved us. At the time, that was enough. But I'll never forget, Brother Glenn Richardson, again, I was in the eighth grade, I'll be 34 here in a few days. He made this statement. He says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's one of the biggest lies that has ever been told. And can I say tonight, there's people in this room, words were spoken to you 20, 30 years ago, whether they were careless words or intentional hurtful words uh, from a family member, from a teacher, coach, maybe somebody at a church somewhere, but they were spoken to you. And two, three decades later, tonight, as you recall those words, they still cause you hurt and pain in your heart and mind. It's 
Isn't it amazing that words can fly out of our mouths in a matter of seconds and go on to cause hurt and pain in someone's heart and mind for the rest of their lives? Your tongue is powerful. I'll never forget, I got in a verbal fight with my dad. I remember saying some things to him that caused him to get up out of the room and walk out. And after a few moments of silence, my mom finally looked over and she said, You know, your dad has feelings too. And I remember as the weight of that realization began to sink down upon me. And can I say to the young people that are here tonight, your mom and daddy have feelings too. And the hurtful words and the cutting words and the disrespectful words, come on now, hurts the heart of your mom and daddy. And can I say to the mamas and the daddies in this room, the words that you speak to your young people, they're going to remember those for the rest of their lives as well. Your tongue is powerful. Well, our tongues need Jesus. Number two, notice this. Not only do our tongues need Jesus because they are powerful, but notice number two tonight, because also uh, they are dangerous. Your tongue is dangerous. Notice he goes on to say here in verse number six, and the tongue is. Now, in verses three, four, and five, he's compared the tongue to something else. He said the tongue is like a bit. The tongue is like a rudder. The tongue is like a little forest fire. But in verse number six, he drops the comparative language, and no longer is he comparing the tongue to something else. Now he tells us what the tongue is and he said and the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity so is the tongue among our members that it defieth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell without getting into the nitty-gritty phrase by phrase breakdown here's the overall meaning of verse number six your tongue has the ability to set every area of your life up in flames tonight your tongue can set your family on fire. It can set a friendship on fire. It can set a career on fire. It can set a testimony on fire. It can set a church on fire. Years ago, my wife, the church she was raised in, and your pastors preached there. Years ago, they had a fire start in the kitchen overnight. It burned a portion of that building. Uh, but they went on to rebuild and remodel. And if you went to that church today without that background knowledge, you would never know that that had taken place. Listen, there's been many churches across our country that have gone through fires and rebuilt and have gone on. But there's also many churches in our country that have gone through fires that were started by people's tongues and they never recovered from. The old preacher said it this way, I've never seen a harlot split a church, I've never seen a drunkard split a church, but I've seen many a tongue split a church. Well, in that last illustration, he said, behold, how great a matter, a great a forest fire, a little fire kindled. Listen, all it takes is a, is a cigarette butt carelessly discarded in the forest. Come on now. All it takes is just a, a little forest, maybe a campfire that somebody didn't put all the way out. And before you know it, you've got a situation in your hands that is beyond your control. Listen to me. All it takes is just a little text message. All it takes is just a little Facebook post. All it takes is just a little lie, a little slander, a little criticism, a little gossip. Come on now. And all of a sudden, you've got a raging inferno on your hands. Now, here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about not speaking up when we ought to speak up. If there's a problem, there's something wrong, then call it out. Let's, let's, let's get it out in the open. I'm not talking about covering sin tonight. 
I'm talking about going around and using your tongue to intentionally and maliciously hurt other people. Can we all agree tonight that that is wrong? Your tongue is like an uncontrolled fire. It's not just an uncontrolled fire, but notice it goes on to say, it's also like an untamed beast. Notice the Bible says in verse 7, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. Well, one of the great parts about living in Florida, you would know this, and I'm from Texas, amen, and so one of the great parts about living in those two states is that you're just a couple hours from SeaWorld, amen? And so, man, growing up, we're just, just saying that San Antonio is about three hours from us. And so every once in a while, we sneak down there, and man, we see Shamu do his tricks. We see the dolphins do their tricks. Come on now. Well, we can tame some animals. Well, how many remember the 90s? I mean, a long time ago, Miss King. The 90s. I'm talking about Homeward Bound. Remember that movie? I'm talking about on the, for two hours on the screen, we watched two dogs and a cat do everything they were supposed to do. They went everywhere they were supposed to go. They even talked for crying out loud. Amen? It was the 90s. Amen? So, listen, we can tame some animals. I mean, it was the days of circuses. And you got bears and monkeys and elephants just doing crazy stuff. We can tame some animals. Amen. And so there is, uh, but God says there's one animal. There's one beast that we can't seem to tame. Notice the Bible says here in verse number 8, but the tongue can no man tame. Isn't it amazing? We can take an elephant that weighs tons and tons and tons and teach them to stand up on three legs and to stand up on a pedestal and to stand up on their heads and do whatever else. But that two ounces piece of flesh in between your upper and lower jaw, we can't seem to control. But I want you to read it carefully again. But the tongue can no man tame. It didn't say that no one can tame it. It said it was humanly untamable. But the, the tongue can no man tame. But aren't you thankful what you can't do? There's a God in heaven that can do. How many thankful that Jesus is in the business of transforming lives and sanctifying and changing us? Amen. And Jesus can change us from the inside out. By the way, that's his specialty. I think you see that on a week-to-week basis here. And that's the name of the game is spiritual maturity. Listen, there's baby Christians all around this place. We saw it this morning. But God doesn't want us to live in diapers for the rest of our lives. And you may sit here and say, well, if you're a thinking individual, you think to yourself, well, I'm never going to have a perfect speech and a tongue this side of heaven. So why even bother with it? If that's your attitude, you'll be a sorry individual. It may not be perfect, but spiritual maturity says... I still want to be more and more like Jesus every day. And the more I spend time with him, the more I allow him to work in my life, it's going to show up in the way that I speak. Notice it goes on to say in verse 8, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil. You say, what does unruly mean? Like a toddler. Amen? And uh, trust me, I know. And uh, it literally means restless. In other words, you can't turn, like a toddler, you can't turn your back on them, you can't let your guard down, you can't walk into the room, because the second you do, they're going to get in some kind of a trouble. And the Bible says the same is true of your tongue. 
It is a restless evil. Won't lay down, won't sleep, constantly got to guard it. And when it comes to our tongues, we can't put our guard down. We can't turn our backs on it. We can't walk out on it. Because the second we do, it's going to cut someone and hurt someone and slash someone. It is an unruly, restless evil. You say, my soul, this is bad. It gets even worse. Notice this, the last phrase of verse number 8. It says, full of deadly poison. You got, you got poison at your house. And not just laying on the counter, I hope. But locked up in the shed in the backyard. There's chemicals for your yard. Locked up underneath the cabinet, there's some cleaning chemicals. I'm talking about there's a skull and crossbones on the back of the bottle. And you keep it locked up. Why? So the kids don't get it? So the grandkids don't get it? So the dog doesn't get it? So the cat, that wouldn't be too bad. I mean, we keep it locked up. Better at the love offering. Nonetheless, listen, it's full of deadly poison. uh, And God says, so is your tongue. Can we just get real for a minute? Is that okay? You come to a church like this and start getting plugged in and you start coming back two, three times a week. After a while, the same core group of people that come to church like this and gather and work towards the same mission, at some point, at some time, you're going to have a personality conflict with somebody. And someone's going to get in your way and someone's going to hurt your feelings. Maybe not intentionally, but it happens. And someone's, come on now, and if you're not careful, you'll get upset and instead of handling it like a spiritually mature believer... You'll start going around, and listen to me, you'll start infecting people with verbal cyanide. And you're going to start going around and cornering people, and you'll start saying stuff like this. You ever notice this about her? You, you ever picked up on this about him? And all of a sudden, you start going around planting seed thoughts in people's minds that wasn't there until you put it there. And all of a sudden, division starts. And all of a sudden, what once was a place of life turns into a place of death. And it happens all the time. Boy, our tongues need Jesus. How many remember just a few years ago, the Smoky Mountain Forest Fires? Remember that? And... Uh, Caused over $2, million, $2 billion in damage. Almost 18,000 acres were burned. Almost 2,500 buildings were destroyed. Uh, 14 people lost their lives. And they believe it all went back to two teenagers walking down a trail one day, lighting matches thrown on the ground. A lighting matches thrown on the ground. And all of a sudden, the little match and the little fire caused absolute mass devastation. Your tongue is powerful, number one. Number two, your tongue is dangerous. But notice last number three, your tongue is also inconsistent. 
Your tongue is inconsistent. Notice what he says here to wrap it up. The Bible says in verse number 9, therewith, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith bless we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth, out of the same mouth, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Isn't it amazing? We can have a great day in church just like this, hear awesome music, hear good Bible preaching, see people get saved. We shout amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And then when church is over, we walk straight out to our cars. And before we even get to the parking lot, we're fussing, we're fighting, we're bickering, we're back and forth. We're saying things, did you see what she was wearing? Did you see what he said? Come on now. And it gets absolutely nasty in the car before we even leave the parking lot of the church. In other words, out of one side of our mouth, we're blessing God, and out of the other side of our mouth, we're blasting men. You know why you have an inconsistent tongue? Because you have an inconsistent heart. Somebody said a forked tongue is connected to a forked heart. So you don't have a tongue problem, you have a heart problem. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth. The Bible says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. And that's where it always begins. You think, well, I'm just never going to open my mouth again until I die. The problem's still in your heart. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of thy heart be acceptable in thy sight. O God, my strength and my redeemer. An inconsistent tongue. I wonder tonight if I were to say something like this. We have an announcement tonight. You did not know this, but for the past seven days, we have planted a recording device on your person. And every time you got in your car, and every time you went to work, and every time you got together with your friends and family, we've recorded every conversation that you've had this week. And tonight I'm going to put this recording device here on the platform, on the pulpit, and I'm going to press play, and we're going to listen to what you talked about. I wonder what we would hear you talk about. I wonder who we would hear you talk about. Well, I'm glad ain't nobody been recording me. Listen to me. Even if nobody else heard what you said, he heard every word. Can we bring it home tonight? Here's, here's where it gets real. Some of you, your marriage is toxic. Some of the way that you men talk to your wives, some of the way that your wives talk to your husband, some of the way it's parents to children, some of it's, telling, it's, it's ch teenagers and children to parents. Your family's toxic. Your home is toxic. Your friendships are toxic. It's not healthy. It's not good. Where at one time in your home there was a sweet spirit of joy and peace. Now there's tension. There's grief. There's angst. And much of it has to go back to the way that we use our tongues. But it's not a tongue problem. It's a heart problem. You say, preacher, I mean, 
your tongue needs Jesus. That's a cute little sermon title. I'm sure that'll look real good on the Facebook page when they post it tonight. That'll look real cute on the the website tonight when it gets posted. Now listen to me. It's more than just a cute little sermon title. It's the point of the passage. Do you realize in James chapter 3, he presents to us problem after problem after problem with the tongue, but he not one time gives us a solution. Because James wants to leave us reeling and staggering at the overwhelming problem inside of our mouths so that we know that the only hope that we have is Jesus alone. So you say, preacher, what do I need to do tonight? Number one, admit that you have a problem. And then number two, come to Jesus. Because your tongue and my tongue needs Jesus. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your word. How many tonight would say, Brother Taylor, would you pray for me? God spoke to my heart. And tonight I realize that inside of my head there is a tongue that is powerful, dangerous, and inconsistent. I don't want to live my life as a spiritually immature believer. But as a spiritually mature believer, I realize I don't just need God on a Sunday morning. And I don't need God when when, when the bottom falls out of my life and I'm in a season of crisis. I need God every day. Before I see my family, before I see my coworkers, before I go to school, I need to spend some time with Jesus every morning and allow Him to take control of my speech. Preacher, tonight, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm asking for prayer. My tongue needs Jesus. If that's you, can I pray for you as your friend? No one came to guilt you, shame you, or beat you up. This is a week of revival. This is what this week is all about. Preacher, pray for me. Preacher, pray for me. Father, you see the hands and the hearts. Lord, work tonight in Jesus' name, preacher. Amen. I'm going to ask the Combs.